Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be at this holy place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break the chains of all evil and sin that holds us captive. May in this service be cursed all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you in the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your redemption, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Allow us to discover your shining countenance. I lay this service in your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
Thank you. 
Итак, прежде чем мы будем погружаться в наше наследие исследование Слова Божие, которое является нашим наследием, Евангелие Луки, 24 глава, 44 стих. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. God has enough strength to fulfill everything that is written about Christ in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And for us as partakers of the body of Christ to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and what is necessary to be done from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can put on the new way of life. Ephesians 4.22-24 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. To fulfill this command we as we know need to utilize three charging and fundamental verbs and these are put off, be renewed and put on. And to confirm the given promise, which in status is a required commandment, as well as our purpose, we will read another place of Scripture where the same author, in a bit of a different format, speaks of the same truth, calling us to take off the old man with his deeds, so we can after put on the new man. Colossians 3.18-14 3, 8-14, but now you yourselves are to put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. If you pay attention, not demons, because it is beneficial for demons that you agree that the anger, wrath, malice that suddenly appears in you is actually a possession. This is their net or their catch as soon as you Agree to this, you are under their control, and you can truly think that this is so, that this is a spirit. If you're born again and baptized with the Holy Spirit, then demons and the Holy Spirit can't live in one house. This is a great deception of men, where they, there was a great deception that began to rise in the churches, that people being baptized by the Holy Spirit are possessed and have the spirit of a fornication or other kinds of uh, evil spirits. These are just signs of the old nature or old self that you need to battle and you will overcome upon the condition that you stop listening, listening to the devil that you're possessed, you're not possessed. That you put off all of these, that's your sinful man, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And now how do we put, put it off? Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And we will continue further to study how to put off this old man. 
and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Colossians 3, 8 through 14. We've noted that your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting actions, to put off, be renewed, and put on, will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. Or more specifically, will the accomplishing of our salvation come to pass that has been given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it forever, and in result, then our names will forever be blotted out of the book of life. In a specific format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the following question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of our dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth? And when we speak of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that contains the power of the resurrection of Christ, in the all armor of light, we've concluded that we need God's help, that is, we need His redeeming mercy, and not just to be dressed into the new person. We need this mercy to also put off the old man and be renewed with the spirit of our mind and the means of receiving any kind of help in the form of the inheritance of the mercies of God is the weaponry of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth. Prayer needs to be in accordance to the will of God. Since prayer isn't just a man's means of communicating with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven, a tool that activates the given law of God, man gives heaven this right so that heaven may intervene upon the territory of earth. Relevant here is one of the prayers of David written in the 143rd Psalm. This psalm very clearly opens for us the conditions. Let us read this prayer and submerge into its beautiful heritage and inheritance has become ours. This is how our prayers need to be that the Lord will respond to and that will touch our heart and that will catch us into its nets. We need to catch ourselves into the nets of the confessions of our faith. These are our prayers. If we will continually in prayer speak of the wrongful point of view of our opinion, that we will be caught into the wrong nets. Here's the right kind of confession. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. And this enemy, the most evil of, the most powerful, is our old nature, our old self, that has been passed down to us from our parents. These are not demons. As soon as we deal with this enemy, then all of hell will be afraid because we will cast off of ourselves this old man. The enemy uh, works through this old self. 
Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. So allow me to hear your loving kindness in the, loving kindness in the resurrection of your son. And so cause me to hear it in the morning. That means morning in scripture symbolizes the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So allow me to hear your loving kindness in the resurrection of your son. For in you do I trust, cause me to know, know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies, in you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your namesake, for your righteousness sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. Your, in your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. Psalm 143, 1-12. For David, as well as for us, to hear the mercy of God, or to hear the resurrection of Christ, we, like David, needed to present to God legal grounds or particular rights. And such evidence in this prayer, as we already know, were ten unique in their nature arguments, identifying the right to enter the presence of God, founded upon the laws of God, which is also the word of God that comes out of his mouth. This word, God is magnified above all his name, these ten came out of his mouth, God's mouth, and he has magnified them above all his name, and this word he willingly submits to. Specifically, these ruling and mighty words of God converted into promises and commandments for man, David presented to God as the consistency of his heart, saying to God, Hear me in your faithfulness and your righteousness. Hear me because I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. Hear me because I spread out my hands to you. Hear me when you say, I spread out my hands to you, hear me because I spread out my hands to you, they need to be without wrath or doubt. We need to be confident that when we ask what's according to God's will, we receive. And not looking at the fact that we don't see it yet with our eyes, in the spiritual realm, in the unseen, we have received it. And this is the more assured level or place. And we call the not existent as existent. I spread out my hands to you. Hear me, for in you do I trust. Not upon my flesh. And not upon my intellectual abilities, not my religious experiences, but upon you do I trust. Hear me because I lift up my soul to you. Hear me because in you I take shelter. Hear me for you are my God. Hear me for your name's Hear me for your righteousness sake. And hear me for I am your servant. 
In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument that abided in David's heart. This was evidence that faithfulness and righteousness abided in David's heart. This served as a legal ground for God, giving God the ability to hear David and stand on the side of David in his oppositions against his enemies and stop to study the second argument. This is the presented by David evidence that in his heart the memories of the days of old were imprinted and all the deeds that God had done in those old days. Based on the revelation of the Holy Spirit, we began to study the form of the evidence in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest. This item is a unique and is a continual memorial before God, identifying with itself continual prayer. In Scripture, there are very many that are a memory for God, but a continual memorial, continual memory, is the breastplate of judgment. And we know that the breastplate of judgment was created and served only one item. This was the unification of the Urim and the Thummim within the heart of a man, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and allowed man to hear God. Therefore, to be heard by God in the revelations of his Urim, the Holy Spirit, it was necessary to keep within your mind the works of God that he had done in the days of old, his thumb and his truth, his teaching, that he had done in the days of old. The breastplate of judgment as a continual memorial before God is a sacral symbol of the format of continual prayer, providing God grounds to fulfill his will upon planet Earth. Therefore, prayer that does not satisfy the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer. As only the format of continual prayer presented in the breastplate of the high priest gives us the right to come close to God and enter into the holy place as kings and priests to God to present intercession that pursues the interests of his will. Here's how Apostle Paul presents the nature of the breastplate of judgment symbolizing continual prayer in his books. Colossians 4.2 Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. We note that continuing earnestly in prayer identifies a joyously burning lamp, identifying the condition of the righteous heart of a man. Proverbs 13.9 The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. To be put out means it will die. <coughs> it will be uprooted. The order in which the breastplate of judgment was built identified and enjoined the demands of spirit and truth that the true worshippers of God whom God seeks need to be in accordance to and need to possess. Here's the kind of worshippers he's looking for, John 4, 23, 24. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. If the building order of the breastplate of judgment is interfered, the breastplate of judgment loses its nature and its purpose. The breastplate of judgment identifies the state of the heart of a worshiper of God, worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth that includes not peddling with the truth when pursuing the goals that God has placed in Scripture, as people have done at all times and many do today, because of their stiff neck and to benefit their greed and their hypocrisy. 2 Corinthians 2.17 For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. When a person in his heart begins to pervert the truth, then this is 
that he begins to walk away from the spirit. He needs to do something for his flesh and he begins to pervert the truth to benefit his flesh or to benefit something else. In the Septuagint, that's the, our translation, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice, as by the means of the Urim and the Thummim that is contained in the breastplate of judgment, God revealed to man his judgments. The breastplate of judgment is identified as the conscience of a man purified from dead works, upon the tablets of whom, just as a sign it, and the twelve names of the patriarchs, the teaching of Jesus Christ, that came in the flesh is imprinted. A conscience purified of dead works, with the imprinted faithfulness and righteousness upon its tablets, is called to give God the right to function in them and through them upon planet Earth. In a specific format, we have already looked at the measurements and nature of materials with which the breastplate of judgment was built, that we are called to be in accordance to within our spirit, and stop to study the next requirement that shows, Exodus 28, 17-21, and you shall put settings of stones into the breastplate of judgment. You shall put settings of stones, four rows of stones, sardius, topaz, and emerald, first row, second row, turquoise, sapphire, and diamond, third row, jacinth, agate, and amethyst, and fourth row, beryl, onyx, and jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engraving of a sign, each one with its own name. They shall be according to the twelve tribes. We've noted that the twelve golden settings is the authority, rule, and order of the Word of God, containing the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, that we as worshippers of God are called to present within the foundation of our continual prayer. The twelve precious stones with engraved upon them as a sign at names of the sons of Israel is a symbol and format of our continual prayer, presenting the perfect judgments of God. From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings being the truth of the word of God that were adjusted in measurement and configuration to fit the precious stones, but the precious stones themselves being our prayers are the ones that were adjusted and configured to fit the golden settings of truth. Our prayer needs to be in accordance to the truth. Continual prayer in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the twelve names is a persisting prayer that in its intercession presents the interests of the will of God and does not sway away or step away from the goal until what is asked for is received. A person who possesses the breastplate of judgment will never ask for something as his own will. Any desire or will that he presents is the will of God. If it's the healing that he, that he is in need of, he will remove his need and desire in this request and we'll look at what God needs in this healing. God is more interested in our healing than we are. He is in need of this healing and he suffers. Why? Because he paid an, an, an immeasurable price for it with his son Jesus Christ and he's placed upon his account healing as his will. And when we come, not with our own will or desires, but his desires and his will, we need to present him. When a person says, Lord, you see how many times I've asked you, a person who says these things is not a priest. He presents his own desires, his own will. He does not uh, present these needs from the angle of God's will, but his own. People ask from different positions. People ask to satisfy their own desires. Another begins to be zealous 
for the will of God and say, Lord, I know that you suffer and that you yearnly desire to heal me. This is your will. May your will be done because you have already healed me in Jesus Christ. When a person begins to pray in this way, in this form, then this is praying in spirit and in truth, in accordance to the truth. Building of the breastplate of judgment within our heart is revealed as building the kingdom of heaven in the image of the tree of life. This is how the tree of life was presented upon the priest in the breastplate of judgment. Growing the tree of life within your heart is building yourself up into a new person, created in accordance to God and righteousness and holy truth into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. With this we note that all of the beauty and order of the temple was created for one holy item and served that one item. This was the golden ark of the covenant. In the same way, the ephod of the high priest with the connected to it breastplate of judgment, it was created for and served only one holy item, this item very accurately was called to duplicate and fulfill the function of the golden ark. This is the Urim and the Thummim, the Holy Spirit and the truth. Because the golden ark of the covenant, as well as the breastplate of judgment, symbolized from different angles and with various purposes the conscience of a man cleansed from dead works. We know that the Urim and the Thummim in Hebrew means light and perfection. <coughs> light is the Holy Spirit. He carries light and shows what perfection is, perfection, light and the right, and revelation and truth. For example, the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant is the truth. This Ten Commandments represented Jesus Christ. And so inside the Ark of the Covenant is the truth, and this truth upon the breastplate of judgment is the Thummim. The light revelation that a person could receive at the lid of the Ark or the mercy seat of the Covenant is the Urim in the breastplate of judgment. And the Urim is the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when Saul wanted to, that God communicate with him through the Urim and the Thummim, God did not communicate with him. But when David said, bring me the ephod, they brought it and he put it on and he asked the Lord and the Lord responded, why? Because the Urim and the Thummim were just symbolic of the Holy Spirit and truth that were already in the heart of David, which is why God responded. And so a worshiper of God is a person who has a wise heart upon the tablets of whom the truth in the form of the Thummim is imprinted, within the boundaries of which the Urim in the form of the Holy Spirit could reveal the mysteries of the Thummim. And so a person who possesses within his heart, who has placed the teaching of Christ into his heart, his heart will be called good or wise. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31, 6. And so until wisdom is put into the heart, a person can't build himself as a spiritual house. People have not, many people have not even began. People call themselves God's temple and the house of God. They're not God's temple. How can he be a temple of God if he doesn't not, does not know the teaching of Christ or carry it? A temple is built after you bring this wisdom into your heart and then the Holy Spirit comes 
and reveals this wisdom, and because he reveals this wisdom in your heart, you begin to build yourself. For I put wisdom in all the hearts of the gifted artisans. And so we will then be able to make ourselves into a spiritual house when we will have the truth, and the Holy Spirit will come within the boundaries of this truth. He will reveal this truth, and based upon this revelation we've received, we can build ourselves into a spiritual house. The friendship of the Thummim and Urim in the heart of a person is a unification of two formats of wisdom, which state that the carriers of the Thummim and the Urim are true worshippers of God and possess the immune system, which is the most amazing, is that they possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit. And of Levi, he said, we know that every name is a promise of God for the church of God. This is not just a name. This is a, a, a meaning. <clears throat> Today, people call uh, their children names that they find uh, attractive or, or beautiful, but got, uh, back then they named their children with words that had meanings, a destiny from the Lord. And of Levi he said, let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One. Levi is one who is binded to God whom you tested at Massa and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers and know his own children. They died for his nation, died for his house, and for his desires. For they have observed their word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the works of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. As you can see, this is that immune system of the Holy Spirit that anyone who confronts them will be destroyed. In a specific format, we have already looked at five qualities of a warrior in prayer and the five precious stones of the breastplate of judgment <clears throat> by which God was able to continuously reveal his will upon planet Earth and stop to study the sixth quality and the precious diamond stone. <clears throat> we know that the sixth name carved upon the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment <clears throat> upon the tablets of our heart is the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, which means wrestler. And Rachel's maid Bila conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. We know that the name of God presented in the precious diamond stone, every precious stone presented a specific name of God for the Jewish people. And the name of God presented in the precious diamond stone, according to the Jewish rabbinate, is El Hai, in Hebrew, which when translated means God is alive. Therefore, according to the definition of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we conclude that the function of the sixth principle as a format of continual prayer is our right and ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the powers of hell, which confront us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God. And so you may ask, how do I allow the Holy Spirit? 
When you pray in tongues, you allow the Holy Spirit at this time to speak words to your spirit. Your spirit is praying, but the Holy Spirit will pray together with your spirit because your spirit prays in accordance to the will of God. <clears throat> but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath, the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. Jeremiah 10.10 10. The name of the living God is the format of an oath and the category of the nation that had not learned to swear by the living God or swore falsely, unlawfully, were utterly destroyed. And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. Therefore, to not be plucked up and destroyed by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to learn the ways of the nation of God, to swear by the name of God El Hai or by the living God. These ways, <clears throat> living as the Lord before whom I stand, I will be an overcomer. I will, I will win, and not looking at the fact that I, will fa I have fallen, I will rise. This is how you need to pray. These ways are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God. And the conditions that give us the right to learn the ways or paths of God's commandments and statutes is the condition to thirst to, to, thirst to know them. Psalm 119.32-35 I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart when my heart begins to bear fruit. Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. David not once mentioned his intellectual abilities or religious experiences. You see, when people say, I have my own head, this is how I understand, but what about you, sister? How do you understand this? David completely does not show that here. He says, I will run the course of your commandments when you shall enlarge my heart, when my heart begins to bear fruit. And teach me the way of your statutes. What, did he not, not, was he not educated? He was a prophet. He was a very wise man of that time and he did not rely upon his mind he told the Lord continuously you show me your ways you give me your knowledge your statutes and I shall keep your law and indeed observe it with my whole heart he did not uh, say I understand things this way and and you know that the theologians of this time or these days are the human mind <clears throat> and people who finish these colleges of theology or uh, it's actually philosophy uh, that know a lot of languages even even history they know but unfortunately these are not revelations of the Holy Spirit and when a person finishes such a college sometimes this person either denies God entirely or denies all the truth and begins to make up his own truth, theology allows a person to do this. And so the name alive or living means one who abides, one who is, one with unconditional authority, one who defines a genesis, creates a genesis, holds a genesis, keeps a genesis, rules over the genesis, and commander and lord of the genesis. 
Deuteronomy 10, 20, and 21, You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve Him, and to Him you shall hold fast and take oath in His name. He is your praise, and He is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. The power of a warrior in prayer contained within the virtue of the name of the living God is called to present the unlimited power of God over the Genesis in the allotted by him for us time and boundaries. Therefore, it was necessary for us to look at and determine what goals God has in his intentions when he urges and calls his children to become warriors in prayer. Also, in what way and upon what conditions is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present the interests of God of God and implement or actualize his inheritance in God. For the definition provided in Scripture to be a warrior in prayer is a lawful and privileged inheritance of holy men of all days. This is their primary or first most purpose that is revealed in their calling to trample upon uncleanness and the unclean in their prayer battles as dirt in the streets. This is one of their greatest positions that is gifted by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and a priest to God and is seen by God as a brilliant stone or the diamond stone with the name of Naphtali. Not being a king and a priest to God in the virtue of which a person would receive the unique ability and right to reign with his informational organ over his emotional organ, it, would, it is impossible to be or remain a warrior in prayer. The it is impossible with the regular mind to rule over your emotions. Only the renewed mind can rule over the emotions and lead them by the will of God. The informational organ is called to reign over the emotional aspect of the soul. This is the renewed mind of man, renewed by the mind of Christ. The prayer of a warrior in prayer is a sacral or holy mystery that has an unearthly genesis. And we know by its nature, the genesis of prayer as well as the genesis of God does not have a beginning and does not have an end. Prayer is the language of God identifying the essence of God, the word of God, and the genesis of God. Prayer has always been the mystery of God, as it has always existed in His presence, as a golden scepter of favor which He stretched forth to the one that would seek His face in performing His will. If, however, however, anyone dared come to Him upon His own personal conditions, not being called into His presence, then God's golden scepter of favor would not stretch forth to one asking, and the will, and this would result in a prayer of this person not being heard by God. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will he hears him John 9 31 the right to come close to and stand before God in prayer is the ex exclusive prerogative of God no one will be able to or will dare by themselves to come close to or approach God the God that desires to abide in darkness mystery and the unapproachable light Je Jeremiah 30 21 22 talks about who can come or approach God their nobles shall come from among them and their governors shall come from their midst then I will cause him to draw near and he shall approach me for who is who is this who pledged his heart to approach me says the Lord you shall be my people and I will be your God
to come close to or to approach God in accordance to this, to this place of scripture is the task of one governor that will come from the nation seed of Abraham that is the only begotten son of God in the status of the son of man in whom and by whom anyone born from God and seeking God would be able to approach and enter God's presence not by Abraham, Isaac and Jacob but by Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ and by Jesus Christ we can approach and enter God's presence we can say Father in the name of Jesus Christ I thank you that you gave me the blessing of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob people ask what can we not pray with their names yes we pray in the name of Jesus Christ directly to the Father why do you need to pray by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are not the middle man. One God, one middle man between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ for the Jew and the Gentile. A Jew that attempts to make Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the middle, middle man will be driven out of the nation of God. You who justify yourself by the law have fallen away from the grace. You've fallen away from Jesus. There's no name, other name under heaven with which we must be saved. That's what Apostle Peter said. And so, by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, no one will be able to be saved. Only in the name of Jesus Christ, the Jew and the Gentile. According to the revelations written in Scripture, our prayer in the quality of a warrior in prayer, identified by the virtue of the brilliant stone, needs to be continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with faith of your heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, or praying in tongues. In the previous services, we in a specific format have already looked at the seven components of, of continual prayer and stop to study the eighth component. This is the fruit of joy. We've noted that the fruit of joy in the heart identifies the state of the heart of a warrior in prayer as well as the quality of, his, of, of the warrior's prayer itself. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Proverbs 17:22. Therefore, one of the signs by which we need to determine the presence of joy that comes from above will be a merry heart that will serve as a medicinal substance healing and restoring and repairing his faith and his trust in God. A broken spirit is a symbol of a hard heart that is directed by the pride of one that does not know the faith teaching of God, that is directed by the pride of an unrenewed mind, where there is an absence of an atmosphere of upright joy, one depriving God of grounds or foundation to good, to do good and heal this person. And to determine the essence of unearthly joy as well as the conditions that we are needing to fulfill so that we can grow and begin to reveal or express its presence in our prayers, we've come to the necessity to study the definition and essence and purpose of the fruit of joy, the price of obtaining and expressing the fruit of joy, keeping and developing fruit of joy, and the fruits and rewards of expressing upright joy. In a specific format, we have already looked at the first question, what qualities does supernatural joy have and what purpose is covered in the spring from which unearthly joy flows. <clears throat> we conclude that in Scripture, the quality or character that is included in the word joy, as with the previous qualities, is prescribed in prayer as a commandment, as a decree and order, and an urgent military command that is to be fulfilled without deviation. If this order is not fulfilled, the verdict is death or a final split or break of our relationship with God. Apostle Judah, concluding his short book to the Church of Christ, gave the quality of joy its own elevation and rank as an integral part of our 
of our salvation in Christ. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, Jude 1.24. Looking at the above-mentioned place of Scripture, we can conclude that for God, fault or blemish in joy is an absence of a foundation, keeping us from stumbling into perdition to present us before his glory. The glory of God abides exclusively in the atmosphere of upright joy and is, is an expression of this upright joy. Blemishes or sin in joy is a stain or flaw revealing impurity, abomination, and deceit. A person who has not rid himself of such blemishes in joy, as well as in all of his other characteristics, will not be allowed in heaven, or the great Jerusalem that is in heaven and on earth at the same time. But there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an, ab an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written into the Lamb's Book of Life, Revelations 21:27, determining the wealth spring of unearthly joy and the existing in this joy natural qualities, we conclude that upright joy in prayer can come only from the upright heart of a man. The heart expresses this upright joy, our words and our actions manifest the state of upright joy. If within our heart we will abide within the atmosphere of upright joy, then our prayers will express this joy. We need to differentiate earthly or regular joy from joy that is supernatural. The supernatural joy has its distinctive roots in God, distinctive wellspring in God, and distinctive genesis in God. By themselves, the two natures of joy are two programs that come from different nature springs, God and the fallen cherubim. The heart of a man is a programmable system that in nature and that nature of joy that to which man gives his consideration or preference dresses him and rules his essence. And if we consider or prefer earthly joy, then it, from one side, will be the means we measure our relationship with God, and from the other side, will be su suppressing and oppressing supernatural joy. If we will consider the joy that comes from above, then it also will be the means by which we measure our relationship with God. <clears throat> Due to its supernaturalism, unearthly joy is not able to be experienced or felt upon the level of our physical abilities. And unlike worldly joy, it isn't a kind of emotion or kind of feeling that it lifts your mood. Because supernatural joy is a kind of discipline of the mind and heart, which creates peace in the heart of a man, as well as balances, controls, and leads our feelings. And when it will lead the feelings, then this person will begin to experience something in the feelings as well. And when these feelings will be restrained with the discipline of the renewed mind and will of man, then his feelings will be able to experience the good and the medicine of his joyful heart, which is a wellspring of unearthly joy directed towards eternal life. Therefore, upright joy as a component of prayer is the confessions of the faith of the heart that in power is equal to the power of the words that come out of the mouth of God. They come from our entrails and are directed towards eternal life. According to the revelations of Scripture, overwhelming joy that is included in the consistency of continual prayer is one of the unearthly qualities and names of God Himself, and of course the children that are born from Him. This quality of joy may be received by these children in no other way but only the seed of the Word of Grace in the Holy Spirit, and only after be grown and enabled by the means of the discipline of the will, mind, and heart, directed to continually abide in the Word of God and in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, 
supernatural joy in its genesis as well as its expression is stable, continual, unchanging, and absolutely does not depend from worldly circumstances or, or the obtaining of materialistic goods. <clears throat> Identifying earthly joy and gladness, Job says that the triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment, Job 25. Proverbs 14, 13, even in laughter, the heart may sorrow and the end of mirth may be grief. Regarding men with unclean hearts and hands that filled the church back then as well as today, Apostle Paul said, lament and mourn and weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom, James 4, 9. This means that for giving preference to worldly joy that men choose over joy that comes from above, God will bring men to judgment. Ecclesiastes 11.9 Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the day of your youth. Walk in the way of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all of these God will bring you into judgment. Turning our attention to the unique wisdom of Scripture in defining unearthly joy, we've decided to look at the virtues of upright joy only within the heart of a man, born from the imperishable seed of the word of truth abiding within Christ. The example and criteria identifying the quality and nature of upright joy is God himself. Therefore, this upright joy is not only the quality of God and the atmosphere in which God abides, it is also one of the glorious names of God with which he triumphs over his enemies. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you dis disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise, you, praise him the help of my countenance and my God, Psalm 43, 4, 5. So question two, what requirements need to be fulfilled to obtain and demonstrate the fruit of joy in your prayer before God? The method by which joy is obtained in prayer or the payment of any price is made is in the very prayer itself. Since prayer is not just the means of communication or the means of conversation with God, but also the means used to get to know God and God abiding within the heart of a man is the wellspring of joy. Being crucified upon the cross, Jesus turned to his Father with his prayer. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. John 17:13. Jesus speaking with his disciples so that they would have within themselves this perfect joy, taught them to pray to the Father in his name, so that, so that they may receive his grace. John 16:24. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask you, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. If you pay attention, <clears throat> don't ask in the name of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, ask in my name to have joy. Therefore, the means and instrument for receiving and developing supernatural joy within yourself is continual prayer that is done in accordance to the 12 requirements that are contained within the 12 precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, mounted into 12 golden settings of the true word. Therefore, any element contained within the price for obtaining unearthly joy is called to be accomplished in continual prayer and by continual prayer, satisfying the requirements of the breastplate of judgment. In a particular format, we have already looked at three elements containing 
containing the price necessary for receiving and developing upright joy in creation of our continual prayer. First element in the price for receiving and demonstrating upright joy in continual prayer consists of obtaining an upright heart, because upright joy can only come from an upright heart. Second element in the price for receiving and developing unearthly and perfect joy within ourselves by the means of continual prayers fulfilling specific conditions, giving us the right to abide within God and the right to allow God to abide within us. Third element in the price for receiving and developing unearthly and perfect joy within ourselves by the means of a continual prayer is finding a place where God desires to dwell. Fourth element in the price for receiving and demonstrating within yourself upright joy and continual prayer consists in the holy promise that God gave Abraham, the Lord's servant. Psalm 105, 42-45 For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles and they inherited the labor of the nations that they may, might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise the Lord. Egypt, as we know, is a symbol of the soul of man. Therefore, coming out of Egypt is a symbol of coming out from under the curse of the law. This is casting off the old man from yourself, because the law deals with the sinful man, the producer of sin. Galatians 3.13.14 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. <clears throat> is talking about the Holy Spirit. When a person pays the price for deliverance of dependence upon his nation, his house, and the corrupt desires of his soul, the results will always be joy and gladness. Just as a prisoner who has tormented for a long time in jail he, they, were to, they told him that you will be there for life. When Joseph was put in jail, they told him that this is for life, you will be in prison for the rest of your life. And suddenly they bring him out and put him on the throne. It's written there that his soul experienced something very difficult and very heavy. A prisoner who was tormented for a long time in jail, one who was put there for life, suddenly discovers he is released and free and the charge or the accusation against him for which he was imprisoned is lifted. This, man's, this man becomes indescribably joyful and happy. This will happen with, with each one of you. With some it may have already happened. I experience in myself an indescribable joy and walk with it and great gladness when I was delivered from the slavery. It is not an easy process, not for God or us. He needed to pay a heavy price for this, the price of his son. But for me, the price of my nation, my house, and my corrupt desires. And that's why I deeply believe that this price, when this word that he had given to Abraham, he remembered the Lord is my strength and song. 
What is Abraham? Abraham is the father of faith of all who believe. He is not the father of just the Israelite nation. I will make you the father of many nations. That's what God said. And he remembered the word that he gave Abraham and brought forth his people and gave them the lands of the Gentiles and their labors as a heritage to them. He will make, God will do something very surprising for those people that will cast off this old man from themselves, saying, I deny this old man is not enough. You need to walk in this and you need to weave your web or create your net with your confessions, not confess what you feel, not confess what's happening with you, and not confess what people say around you. When a husband gets angry, a wife can say something, and the wife can say, what, did you really think you're free now from the sinful man that's in you when you do these things? Here is when you need to understand that don't believe what's happening through you. Yeah, it's happening, but you're delivered truly because God has delivered you in Christ Jesus. He delivered you, and not looking at the fact that things things are happening, bad words came out, anger came out, and suddenly you become afraid. This was a temporary possession from in, uh, from outside, not inside. You need to say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I am not agreeing with what just happened. This is not mine. This is of this, of this sinful man, and I deny these things. And I thank you that I'm free from this and begin to glorify God, because from your word you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Sometimes they bring people to me, even from other churches. And they look possessed and they say they're possessed because at the time of encounters they, the, they uh, convince them they have the spirit of fornication and a person believes this but when I began to tell them that in one person this can't be that I asked them first do you believe that Jesus is Christ they say yes I believe have you received Jesus Christ have you made a covenant yes are you baptized with the Holy Spirit yes then uh, how, how can the demon of fornication be within you he can't be there this can be maybe your sinful nature He's not. it's not a demon it's your nature that you need to nail to the cross and as soon as a person understands this I've told you the story when this person understood then at the time of, a co of our conversation this person says it's interesting I became I started feeling better even my heart stopped hurting you see, it's not prayer that delivers. Know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When you in prayer, in spirit, in, when you pray in spirit and in truth, you proclaim the truth within your prayers, then you're delivered. Not prayer itself, but the truth that you speak out of your mouth in your prayers. I want to turn to all of those who are those prisoners that are in jail for life. It is actually not for life. God has already led you out of the Egypt of your soul and has placed your freedom in Jesus Christ. You are free already. Begin. I ask you, please, begin to pray and say, Lord, I thank you that you have delivered me from the slavery of my soul.
However many times you may fall, there's there's a there's a toy that uh, in Russia when you when you lay it down it keeps getting back up. You lay it down you, when you lay it down it keeps rising back up again. It's a toy. Do be like this when the devil lays you down, but you stand back up again. Say glory to God, I'm free because the Lord has delivered me and believe what you're saying don't believe what you've done but believe what the lord has done trust god and when he sees your trust this perfection then he will do the work and suddenly you will you will experience that you came out of slavery out of out of jail you will experience what the Egyptians felt when they went out of Egypt when what Joseph felt when they took him out of prison and put him upon the throne the Pharaoh dresses him into royal garments puts a golden chain on his neck and announce him as the second ruler of the Empire of Egypt but he was supposed to be in prison for life. <clears throat> and so not looking at the fact that you're a prisoner for life, you need to know also that the Lord is with you. God was with Joseph when he was in the prison, when he was in the... In the hole, the devil will always tell you that God has left you. He hasn't left you. He paid a price for you, and you received salvation. That means he didn't leave you. Don't believe the devil, and don't believe, don't trust the devil, don't believe his thoughts. Fifth element in the price for receiving and demonstrating within yourself upright joy in continual prayer consists in our choice and decision to make God our salvation, in which he would be able to become our strength and our song. Psalm 118, 14, 15. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The salvation of God from sin and death is from beginning to end the sovereign right and sovereign choice of man himself. God can become our salvation only upon the implemented by him conditions. We make a choice. God has done it. You, you sing that the Lord has become my strength and song. How did he become my strength and song? Because I have made that choice. Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. See, I have said before you today, life and and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away, <clears throat> You need to listen with your heart to what God is saying and not what your sinful <clears throat> nature presents to you. In your body, there are two people living, the old and the new person. When you cast off this old, then you will only have the new. Do not listen to what the old man says. 
But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, when you begin to listen to your soul, you begin to worship other gods. Obedience is worshiping. And you, I announce you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice. Choose life is testify who God is for you and what he's done for you. Confess these things. choose life <clears throat> that you may love the Lord your God that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land with which the Lord swore to your fathers to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give them the choices after the man I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will enter in and will dine with him and he with me Revelation 3.20 how do you open the door with your confessions that doesn't mean Lord I open the door enter yes that you can speak this phrase you need to say these words but with this prayer you need to speak who God is for you and what he's done for you the door is opened when you begin to confess redemption that the Lord has done for me not what I did but what he did and when the Lord sees that you confess who he is for you then this is the door you open and he enters and says I will come in and dine with him the sixth element in the price for receiving and demonstrating within yourself upright joy in continual prayer consists in providing God grounds to inscribe us on the palms of his hands so that our wall can be continually before him. Or more accurately, upon the palms of his hands of his hands he will inscribe our walls Isaiah 49 13 through 16 sing O heavens be joyful O earth and break out in singing O mountains for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted but Zion said the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb surely they may they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Isaiah 49:13-16. According to the above-read place of Scripture, if we do not build ourselves into a wall, then God will not have the ability to inscribe our walls upon his palms, so that these walls, being our continual prayers, would be able to ever be before his face the wall is the symbol of the faith of our heart our confessions of the faith of our hearts this is a symbol of perfection that is ascribed to us when we by the faith of our heart receive our justification in God as the work of his great redemption and after confess the faith of our heart in praise for our salvation in God and when we do this this confession then he gives this confession a name not looking at the fact that each one of us confess the same confessions God will have a name for this confession there's a place of scripture where people dedicated themselves to the Lord and it's written that 
each one brought. This prince brought uh, uh, 12 of this, 12 of this, another prince brought 12, 12, and they repeat the same, These all these princes brought as if the same thing, and they repeat uh, all the same thing again and again about 12 times. The Bible is an economical book and included every individual one. Why? Because God has, God writes each one individually. There's a writing for each one. And each one, when he confesses his truth, God writes your name there. This is not just a wall. Your name is upon this wall. In, you, in this confession, there's a name. And whatever name you confess with, God will write. This nail that had pierced his hand, that is where he places it and says, your walls are continuously before me. Therefore, for our walls to be continuously before the face of God, it is necessary to receive into your heart the preached word of God's delegated one about who God is to us and what God has done for us. And after continuously confess the faith of your heart, confessing who God is to you and what God has done for you. Therefore, receiving and demonstrating the fruit of joy in the heart of a man is always the result of suffering for the sake of the name of the Lord. Because when you confess these words, you suffer because actually you are in suffering. The devil has thrown you into the dirt. He has destroyed you. But you in this time suffer. And in the suffering, you begin to proclaim who God is for you. Not what you have done, but who God is for you. You are my redemption. You died for me. You have redeemed me from hell. You have delivered me from my sins. You've forgiven my sins. You cast them into hell. This is the things that you begin to confess. And when you say these, speak these words in your sufferings, God then receives the ability to inscribe your name on, so that your walls be always before his eyes. Confessing the faith of our heart, who God is to us and what God has done for us, we provide God grounds to give us beauty instead of ashes and oil of joy instead of mourning. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord, <coughs> the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Here we're again talking about the same captives, these, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. So the price for receiving and demonstrating the fruit of joy consists in abiding in trials with Christ at the time of sowing the seed into the soil of our heart, the good soil where we call the not existent as existent. The results of such confession is we provide God grounds to anoint us with the oil of joy. <clears throat> Psalm 126, 5, 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who, who, who continually goes forth weeping 
reaping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Seventh element, in the price for receiving and demonstrating within yourself upright joint continual prayer, consists in the condition giving us the right to be dressed into the virtue of the servants of the Lord. But you, Isaiah 65, 11 through 16, but you are those who forsake the Lord. <clears throat> who have forgotten my holy mountain, who prepare a table for Gad, and who furnishes a drink offering for many. Therefore I will number you for the sword, and you shall all bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called you did not answer, when I spoke you did not hear, but did evil before my eyes, eyes and chose that in which I do not delight. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servant shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servant shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servant shall rejoice, but you shall be ashamed. Behold, my servant shall sing for joy of heart, but you shall cry for sorrow of heart and wail for the grief of spirit. You shall leave your name as a curse to my chosen, for the Lord God will slay you and call his servants by another name, so that he who blesses himself in the earth shall be blessed bless himself in the God of truth, and he who swears in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. In the given place of scripture, it's talking about the price of obtaining the greatest virtue and greatest title in the kingdom of heaven that can only be given to the chosen by God flock. This title and virtue identify the rank of voluntary servitude is first belonging to or is possessed by God himself. The title of a slave is first one possessed by God, a servant, <coughs> because he has made his servant he, he has become a servant of his own words. Mm. <coughs> this is the greatest title in heaven, and so everything he says he will do. This virtue of being a voluntary servant of God is identified in God's behavior towards a spoken word that he placed in his temple above all his names. <clears throat> Psalm 138.2 I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. And we know that the holy temple in which God abides and in which God rests is God's chosen flock, as well as each person that has an organic membership to his remaining flock. Therefore, to possess the title of a servant of the Lord, and in being so receive the ability and right to rejoice and sing when others will be suffering from thirst, it is necessary to treat the preached word of God exactly as God treats his preached word. <clears throat> and for this purpose, we, like God, need to abide in his preached word and have his preached word abide in us. How does God treat his word? He continually looks at it, he abides in it, and wants it to be fulfilled. John 15, 7 through 11 is what Jesus says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you shall be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
those things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. The thing is to be a willing servant of the Lord is to stand in his liberty that Christ has given us and not allow ourselves again to become servants of sin that we have been liberated from by knowing the truth. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8:31:32. In order to know the truth, it needs to be in us, abiding in us. You need to meditate about it, accept it, confess it, and only after God gives us the ability to know it. By knowing the truth, you receive freedom from our sinful man. Therefore, the new or different name that the servants of the Lord will be called by whom others will be blessed on the earth will be blessed by the by the God of truth and who will make an oath on earth will make an oath in the name of the Lord of truth the name of the Heavenly Father will be upon their foreheads and this name of the Heavenly Father will be the name servant because this is the greatest name of the Lord that the Lord has claimed for himself to be a servant of his own word. Then I looked and behold a lamb standing in, on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. Revelation 14.1 Considering that our time is up, we're going to bend our knees and pray and thank God that he has already accomplished his work and his victory is in us although you may not see it with your eyes it's in your heart in your spirit in heaven and it's placed upon our account this great inheritance believe in this confess this and the Lord of peace will be with you with me and will unite us and will reveal his glory to us amen let us bend our knees however who is comfortable <coughs> Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I again and again worship upon this holy place that your hand has chosen for the worshiping of your name. Together with your people, we thank you and we glorify you that you have what for what you have done in Jesus Christ we thank you that you have delivered us from hell that you have delivered us from our nation from our house and from our destructive desires we thank you father that you have one and we can confess this is the faith of our heart I believe that you will allow us to experience those prisoners that are in the jail of their soul that chokes them with its corrupt desires. Many are submerged into destructive, sinful things, sexual things even. They fight with this but still return to it. Today, pornography as well as unlawful 
sexual things have captured men and holds it in its nets. The devil has the ability through the mass media and information to show all this and keep your children in bondage and slavery to it. Allow your children to turn their eyes to your commandments and be delivered from these corrupt and destructive lustful things. The whole world today is captured with money and wealth, thinking that with this they can buy freedom for themselves and joy. Actually, they're purchasing for themselves slavery of sin. But we desire to be servants of righteousness. We have committed ourselves to you. And not looking at this difficult war, even though many of us may be in prison, in our heart, I want you to let our heart know that this is not forever, that before they go to you and will be raptured and meet you in the, on the clouds, you will cast off the sinful man from them. You will renew their mind and you will address them into the new person, into their spiritual person because you are a servant of your word. You said this and will fulfill it and you will do it for those who will receive these words and begin to confess them just as Abraham and Sarah did. You told us to look at Abraham who bore you and Sarah. You said that they look to heaven and at the stars at night and during the day at the sand of the sea and in the stars and in the sand, the grains of sand in the day, they could see the promises of that fruit and that inheritance that you promised. We thank you that you can bear to you the same fruit. We will look at all of your commandments and will not be ashamed. We will stand before your face and praise your glorious name. We will stand upon our weaknesses, our fears, and our destructive desires. You do not condemn your children today that have fallen into slavery of sin but the opposite, you comfort them that there's a way out of this slavery. May they be brought out of the slavery and out of this dark place that you once led Joseph out, that you once led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. We glorify you, we praise you for what you've done, that you led us out of the Egypt of our soul and have given us the ability to rejoice and be glad. We've received this into our heart. We worship before you and we thank you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us gladly and joyfully with confidence proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless 
before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.